The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And today, he's been with the WWE for nearly 30 years. That's right, 30 years, and he's pretty much done and seen everything. I'm talking about downtown Bruno. Harvey Whippleman is here. You're going to love this conversation. He's talking about his very first wrestling gig, setting up the ring when he was 13 years old for a local promoter in West Virginia, his hometown. You'll hear how he hooked up with Jerry Lawler in Memphis and ended up managing Sid Vicious. Great story about making the jump to the WWE and managing there and how he's been able to stay with the company for nearly 30 years doing everything he has done it all he's been uh he's been a manager he's been a wrestler he's been a referee he's been the women's champion he's been uh what else has he been he's he, he uh, runs the backstage area he's done it all downtown bruno you're not going to want to miss this one but first you're not going to miss what i got to tell you about dallas page and the deal he's offering you guys on ddp yoga he wants you all to live the healthiest life you can so do i that's why he's now offering 30 percent off the ddp yoga app and all all DDP Yoga related merch, 30% off, right? Dallas is calling this the Hall of Fame sale because, as you know, he's about to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Congratulations to him. So he's celebrating this huge honor, this huge occasion with a great deal for all you. You guys know how much I believe in the DDPY program. I can't say it enough. I wouldn't be the 61-minute man if DDP hadn't helped me overcome my back issues. I wouldn't have uh, beat the crap out of Kevin Owens the other night and uh, code, code broke, code broke, gave a code breaker to Samoa Joe. I'm rocking it, man. Ready for the road to WrestleMania. Thanks to DDP. Also in the studio right now, recording the new Fozzie record featuring some of the best singing of my career, which is all based around the core, which is what DDP helps me with. He can do the same for you as well. He can help you get that core into shape. I do DDP yoga everywhere and anywhere. I open up the app. I get to work wherever I am, backstage at the venue, in my hotel room, uh, uh, on the bus, whatever it may be. The app makes it easy. And it's got a whole new set of workouts on it so you'll never get bored. The app's also got tips for health eating and recipes to keep you on target is everything you need to live a healthier life and that's why so many of my friends in the ddpy program all of you a lot of a lot of my fans a lot of the friends of jericho cheer me on man you guys are all doing ddp yoga and right now if you're not doing it here's your chance because you're going to get 30 percent off the ddp yoga now app and all related merch at ddpyoga.com slash jericho that's 30 percent off hats t-shirts yoga mats heart monitors and so much more all the swag all the merch is there for you at ddpyoga.com slash jericho 30 percent off everything it's the biggest sale 
ever on the DDPY program, so take advantage of it. Celebrate Dallas's induction into the WWE Hall of Fame and get on the path to healthier living at the same time. Go to ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. That's ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Do it now. Do it right. Do it quickly. Change your life today. Get in the best physical and mental shape you've ever been in and do it now. ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Make it happen. And also, if you want something else to happen, I got a great new uh, campaign going over at represent.com slash Chris Jericho. It's the You're a Stupid Idiot t-shirt flying off the shelves like hotcakes. And one of the reasons why is uh, I'm donating a portion of the proceeds supports the JDRF, which funds type 1 diabetes research. That's the juvenile diabetes uh, research. It's, 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 it's one of the greatest causes I've ever been involved with. The, the shirt is only available for two weeks. So you got to get on it now. That's represent.com slash Chris Jericho. You're a stupid idiot. It's a great t-shirt and it goes uh, to help a great cause. Go make it happen. Change some people's lives. Let's make type one into type none and let's do it now. Talk is Jericho. All right. So uh, we've been talking about this for a while. We're in, uh, it's not even Memphis. It's like Mississippi. Walls, Mississippi. Wall. Soto County. <laughs> the home of downtown Bruno. Does anyone ever call you that anymore? Downtown Bruno? It's all they call me. Okay. Here. I mean... Because yeah. Bruno's my real name. Right, 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 right. But nobody here in this area thinks of Harvey Whippleman. They don't know who it is. <laughs> I mean, I'm a make-believe legend because I don't believe in the legend bull crap. Yeah, I right, mean, right, but, right. I mean, around here I am. I mean, my biggest honor, really, if you can see that picture right there on the wall, that's something Lawler drew years ago. Which one oh, right here? Yeah, Le- the Legends, Legends of Memphis. Memphis. Yeah. got my picture on it, which made me feel pretty good. Wow, yeah, because you got all the guys in their Dutch Mantel, Lawler's on there, downtown Bruno, Eddie Gilbert. And that's basically, the, that's that's where you started was in Memphis. Right, absolutely. Right? Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing, it's like, and it, it's, it's one of those things, like, I've been in the WWE since 1999, and there's only a few guys that have been here as long as me or longer, and you're one of them. You yeah, started eighty nine in WWE. Eighty nine in WWE, and you, you talk about a jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. You have done everything from managing to refereeing to. Uh, we'll talk about winning the women's title, right. being, being a chick, <laughs> and now you're kind of like um, like a concierge sort of thing. Would yeah. that be a good term for concierge it? Concierge is a good term. The truth is, I'm like. Uh, head gopher which i don't care <laughs> mm-hmm. i got zero ego right, right, you know, right. But, hey it pays the bills right, you know, right i get paid weekly very weekly but still. <laughs> <laughs> you get paid weekly weekly <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> so what, what are some of the jobs that you that you have to do now well like i return rent a car because that's something that to just explain for example a couple of weeks ago we had to get on a bus and go straight from anaheim raw to the airport to take a flight to australia or something right, right. so you drive your car in and it's like find bruno give him the keys and you take the cars back right which i'm happy to do it right you right, know? right and you know just different things like i get food for the top guys and mm. the executives which you know I, i'm happy to do it and i always have a little credo i i do things for people that I have to do it for and the people that I want to do it for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and other than that, if it's, if I don't like it, unless the office tells me to do it, I'll just, I'll be too busy to help you out. <laughs> There's some guys I ain't gonna lie that I just don't like. Right. I mean, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't want to talk about Vader, the piece of crap. You know, I, I don't mean, <laughs> I don't want to talk about Leon Vader White that never drew 
two cents in the business and is a piece of crap that has zero talent and can't work. What, did, he, did, he, did he bully you around or something like that? No, or? nobody's oh. going to bully okay. me. I'll be honest with you, Chris. Mm. I mean, I'm a little bitty guy. I couldn't, you know, fight, beat nobody up. But I'm not going to let nobody walk over me. He's a liar. <laughs> Years ago, you remember 900 numbers? Yeah, 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 early 90s, mid-90s, the 900s get the information. Right, yeah. before Twitter and Before Facebook internet, yeah. And internet. So Jim Ross was running the 900 number for WWE. He says, uh, Bruno, go tell Vader to come in and do an interview with Howard Finkel for his, uh, you know, the 900 number. Thing. Well, 900 number, yeah. Yeah, so it's right after his match with somebody. I don't remember who it was in the old arena in Fresno. And I said, uh, Leon, they need you to come in. Get away from me. I ain't doing it. I don't want to do it. So then Jim Ross come to me later. Did you get Vader to do his interview? I said, no, he said he wouldn't do it. He told me to get away from him. He was rude about it. So Jim Ross and Jerry Briscoe called Vader aside with me standing there and said, Leon, how come you were rude to Bruno I wouldn't do the interview? He never approached me. I said, Leon, I walked up to you. You told me to get away from you. You weren't going to do it. He goes, Jim, I swear on my son's life, he never approached me. Wow. So he's a lying piece of <laughs> So did you get in trouble for that? Absolutely not. They yeah. know I'm not a yeah, liar. Sure, of course. I got zero of reputation course. as a bad person. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Exactly. And he's known as a piece of crap. So. Right. By everyone. But talk about the guys. I know you always get stuff for show. He always wants stuff from you. Yeah, I like Big Show. Yeah. I, he's, he's really. Cigarettes, hot dogs. Yeah. <laughs> but he gets mad at me when I give him cigarettes and hot dogs in front of anybody. So. <laughs> I remember one day I gave him. Popeye's chicken in front of like Triple H or something. I thought he was going to beat me up. <laughs> you know what's funny, dude? And it might have been you, and I think our members are both probably the same. But one time when we were a tag team, uh, it was me and Big Show. We were working with with DX, with Hunter and, and right. Triple H. And Show was talking. Oh, Show, he's like the best guy ever. He's like, you know, I've been losing weight and been watching my diet, and uh, you know, I've been really watching what I eat. And right as if on cue, it might have been you or someone else came up with a bag of hot dogs. Must have been me. Here's <laughs> your hot dog show. Like, I never ordered those. Like, you gave me the money for them. Get out of here. Bruno, <laughs> you're, not, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I'm sure it was me. I've never been known for my diplomacy, but it's accidental. <laughs> right, 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 right. But I mean, like you said, that that to have the longevity in the company since 1989. I mean, that that's 26, 27 odd years, man. Right. I mean, what's the secret to your longevity? Well, you know what it is. I I do whatever I'm asked or told mm. to do within reason, you mm. know. And there's some people that ask me to do ridiculous stuff. I'm not going to mention any names, mm. but you know. But, I mean, I've been in the business since 79, you know, and I learned something being in all those territories, mostly here in Memphis, but I went to a bunch of territories. And one thing I learned is do whatever you're asked or told if it's not going to hurt you. I'm talking about in the ring. Yeah, sure, sure. Hurt you or hurt the guy you're working with or it's something you just can't do. And as far as running errands, I mean, unless it's impossible, you know, drive to Nashville and be back in an hour. Well, I can't do it. It's 200 miles, you know. <laughs> but, I mean, anything within reason, I just do it. And I just, I don't argue about it. It's something that Vince uh, told me a long time ago. There's no job too big and too small. Right. From the biggest job to the smallest job, it's all part of being on the team. Right. You know what I mean? And I have a no egos. I, mean, I got z Even when I was... Quote, unquote, the top manager. I had no ego. Mm -hmm. Because you know what? You know why I was the top manager? Because a guy with a pencil made me the top manager. <laughs> Not because I was so great. Right. Because if you had to be great to be a top manager, well, let's just be honest now. There's a lot of guys that were top managers that sucked. <laughs> but it's the guy with the pencil decided to put him in that position. So. Well, you mentioned being the top manager. Tell us some of the guys that you managed. Uh, I managed Curtis Hughes, who was actually your... <laughs> sidekick or whatever. For about two weeks. Point. Yeah, for two weeks. Yeah, he fell asleep in the ring once. Yeah, well, I mean, he must have been watching tapes of his own matches. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I met John Gonzalez, who I loved him. We got along really Big George. Well. Big George. He's a good guy, man. He's been in this house. Has he? Yes. I he, believe he passed away now, though, didn't he? Did. he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a good guy. He was, really was. Was he not, uh, and, and this is nothing against Big Show, not joking, was he not the biggest guy uh, that you'd seen? Yeah. I think he was bigger than Kali. Oh, yeah. And Kali. that's nothing against Kali or no, 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 Big no, Show. size-wise, yeah. Seriously, size-wise, he, I think, is the biggest human being I ever saw. Yeah, he was right at. Eight feet tall. If he wasn't eight foot, he was like mm-hmm. seven ten or something. Right, right, you know? right. But he's been in this house though, wow. where you're sitting. Yeah. He, what, what were some of your, your duties with him? Was it just manage him, or did you have to drive him around? No, I drove him. Okay. Plus, I managed him. I did all yeah, the interviews. Yeah, yeah. It, it's funny. He was bad diabetic. I mean, that's mm. not funny. I don't no, mean no, funny. No. <laughs> I mean funny. Yeah. Like, the funny thing is, yeah, he'd like call me at four in the morning. Remember, there was no cell phones back then, so he'd have to call my hotel number. Oh, Bruno, I need turkey sandwiches now. Oh, I'm shaking. And yeah. I have to get up at 4 in the morning and go, where are you going to find a turkey sandwich at 4 in the morning? Gas station, maybe, or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Find a 24-hour Kroger's or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I would do that for him, you know, and I didn't mind. He wasn't a dick about it or nothing. Mm-hmm. Can I say that on the... Yeah, of course you can. Okay. But I mean... Because I was in Japan with him just to back this up. He had to eat every two hours because his diabetes was very bad. Right. He couldn't feel... This is 94, so probably right after he left working with you. Right. He couldn't feel his feet. Uh, his extremities were getting bad from his diabetes. And right. walking across the street was like walking a mile. He was very, very yes. b- bad at that point. Yeah. So he was getting that way when I was managing him. Mm-hmm. And a funny story about him. Now, let me just say this so everybody knows. Now, as you know and I know, WWE is very good about the wellness. If they think you've got a concussion, by God, you're getting tested. Anything, right. Anything, right. But back then, it wasn't that well known. That's the way it even. was, yeah. Yeah. So in 90, I think it was 94, SummerSlam, he wrestled Undertaker. And the deal was, after the match, me and him got into it. Me and Gonzalez, they were going to turn him babyface. So they had him choke slam me in the ring at SummerSlam. Well, he didn't know how to work. And... I heard this from Undertaker and Randy Savage and everybody that he can't work. Well, I found out myself because he picked me up and threw me down from way. Wow. He's eight foot tall plus his arm is however long. So right. From like 13 foot foot and you're about 5'2 or so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he slammed me down and knocked my head because he didn't protect me or nothing like <laughs> Undertaker does. And literally, I was knocked out. Uh, have you ever been knocked out in the yeah. ring? So it's like a that, weird, yeah. Yeah, that white, like, mm-hmm. like that flashbulb thing in your eyes you can't see. And I'm laying there, like, I'm hearing phones ringing and stuff. I used to hear that, like, on Gomer Pyle, but it's true. Yeah. And everybody, I guess, reacts different. Mm-hmm. But I was, like, laying there. I couldn't see. I was knocked out. Phones ringing. And the agent at the time, we call him producers now, but the agent was Renee Goulet. He goes, get out of the ring. I said, Renee, I'm knocked out. He goes, well, be knocked out in the back. It's a pay-per-view. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of there. Yeah. So he dragged me out by my feet. And I can't even see. And I'm in the back. And all I did was just sit in a stool in the shower for like an hour. And then uh, I, I'm not one to complain I, I, even then. But I couldn't drive. So I had to leave my car at the, at the uh, Pontiac Silverdome or whatever. Not the Silverdome. The uh, Joe Louis Arena? No, Joe not Louis Joe Arena. Louis. The one up north in Michigan. Uh Oh, um, uh, the, the hills, uh, yeah, yeah, something hills, whatever, Some, yeah. yeah, we'll, we'll find Palace it. of Auburn. There you go, Auburn Hills, yeah. that's the one. So, and I had to get a ride to the hotel, then I had to get back there next day and get my car, but probably I had a concussion. Mm. I don't know, 
Back then, nobody that's knew. That's it was for us back in those days. And yeah. that's nothing, that's just the way it was. You didn't mm-hmm. know. Like you said, just get out of the ring, get the next guy in. Yeah. When when, when you were put with uh, with uh, Gonzalez, it was Vince or whoever it was to say, like, you have to drive him around. Can you take care of him? Well, it wasn't Vince. J.J. Dillon. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. He was the he was a great guy. I yeah. like J.J. Good, good. And yeah. he, you know, explained to me, look, he's very helpless. You know, I mean, he's a giant, but he's helpless. He's from Argentina. Argentina doesn't speak right. English, really. Right. Now, speaking of Giants, you mentioned Silva a while ago. Mm-hmm. So when he came in, Howard Finkel asked me to drive him around, okay, which he was a big dumb guy, dumb as a box full of doorknobs, but I liked him, but it was funny. Like, we'd go into restaurants and stuff, and people would gather around. Even if, even if they didn't watch WWE, they knew this guy's a giant. Sure. Was, so people would gather, can I have your autograph, can I have my picture with you? I'll never forget this till the day I die. We were somewhere, and we were getting ready to go in a restaurant. And Silva says, Bruno, when we go in restaurant, don't tell people I'm giant. I don't want them to bother me. This is a guy that's like seven foot seven. And he, okay, it's I'll, kind of just implied. <laughs> right, implied. You kind of are a giant. Right. So I said, okay, I won't tell nobody you're a giant. Thank you to Bruno. <laughs> And everyone starts coming around. I told you not to tell him I'm a giant. Right, I like right. how I like how your voices make them sound like the Iron Sheik or something. Like I told you not to tell him he's a giant. <laughs> he's like Count Dracula. Every every foreigner I do sounds like the Iron Sheik. I can't help it. <laughs> so uh, so okay. So you had, you had uh, Gonzalez. You had Curtis Hughes. Who else did you manage? Uh, Bully Busnick for like ten minutes. Mm-hmm. And he was only in the company for about ten minutes. Yeah, I'm a nice guy, but just didn't have a clue. Yeah, sure. Couldn't work. What about Sid? Sid, you, Sid I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> That's probably the biggest name you manage, right? Sid, yeah. Yeah, talking about Sid, Sid Vicious, Psycho yeah. Sid. I just talked to him about an hour ago, as oh, a yeah? matter of fact. Yeah, getting... Now, were you guys friends from... Yes. Because he's from this area right. as well, right? He lives like nine miles from here, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, we talk all the time. We're good friends. Okay. What happened was, the deal with me and Sid, you know, this is my home territory, Memphis, back when the territories were here, and every, after about every nine, ten months, Lawler would say, Bruno, find some place to go for a while, you know, because I'm getting burned out because it's weekly mm-hmm. shows. So I'd go to Kansas City. I'd go to Alabama. I'd go to where? Different territories. So Robert Fuller was booking Alabama, which was red hot back in like 85, I think. Is I was that called there. Continental? Continental, exactly. And he goes, Bruno, yeah, we'd love to bring you in. He goes, but we need a big guy to do the Lord Humongous gimmick, you know, with the hockey mask. and the whole Mad Max, the movie. Yeah. yeah. And there used to be a guy named Jeff Van Kant that did that gimmick. But he quit the business and became a cop or something down in Mobile. And they didn't have nobody for the gimmick. And I says, well, I know a guy, but it, he's real green. Because at the time, Sid had just barely been in the business. I says, Robert, he can't work. He goes, we'll camouflage him. We'll get him down here. He, How does he look? And there was no internet back then. I had to send him a picture. And he goes, oh, my God. This guy goes, he said, look, unbelievable. It's like a million bucks. So they brought him in, put the mask on him. And he and he worked a main event program with Danny Davis and Wendell Cooley. I don't know if you remember that you mm-hmm. know because you're a student of the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we worked, we worked with everybody. Dutch Mantel, Tracy Smothers, everybody. He must have dwarfed all those guys. Yeah. I mean, besides Tracy, those guys are all really small. Yeah. And Tracy's just tall, but he's kind of a skinny tall. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. But, you know, it was just the camouflage, just, uh, you know, just worked around him, mm-hmm. basically. And uh, so anyway, I, I got him his first full-time job in the business. Mm. And then I came back to Memphis after a while because I always, Lawler, I'm ready to come home. Because, I mean, shit, I, I had my house here. That I didn't have this house. Then I had my trailer house. Mm-hmm. But I still, I was having to pay the bills there. 
and plus on the road. So I always wanted to come back home. So every time Lotto would say, all right, come on home. So I gave my notice down there and I came back home. So then since then, man, things are going rough down here without you managing me. I'm just not getting over whatever. So anyway, I, he came back to Memphis. And that was his first time as Sid because he was always humongous. So he came back to Memphis as Sid, and then I managed him here. Mm-hmm. So he always said, okay, when I go to WCW, I'm gonna be, they're calling me. I'm going to bring you in. Well, I didn't want to go to WCW. I just I really didn't. I was happy. I was making decent money here at home. I didn't want because back then, you worked there, so you know. But, I mean, back then, it was you had to move to Atlanta. And I didn't want to move to Atlanta. I wanted right. to stay right here. So then Sid says, well, I'm going to WWF, which was F at the time. He goes, uh, you want to come up there? Yeah, you know, I guess, you know, I don't know. I'm happy here. I'm in charge of the rings. This is an 89. I was in, I was in charge of all the rings. That was my job here. Plus, I refer for, 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 for Memphis. For Memphis, yeah. yeah. Which was, you know, the whole territory, mm-hmm. you know. And that was, I was making a good guaranteed money. It had a ring truck and I had a crew and I was doing well. I didn't know if I just wanted to leave and go. And uh, I told Lawler, I said, shit, they want me to go have a tryout with WWF, but I don't know. I'm, I'm happy here. He goes, you mean WWF called you and you're going to stay here and put up the ring? I said, yeah. He goes, uh, Bruno, as of today, you're fired. <laughs> I said, King, what am I going to do for a living? He goes, you're going to manage in WWE. He goes, or an F, you know, whatever. stupid idiot. Yeah. yeah. I said, but what if, you know, I'm not managing no more. I'm a ring guy now. I'm not used to managing anymore. He goes, it's like riding a bicycle. Get up there. I says, what if they decide they don't like me? He goes, well, you can put in an application here. <laughs> So, is, is King the guy who got you in the business, or, or you started with him, it seems? He's the one who gave me my break. Okay. I was in the business. I worked for Bob Geigel as a ringman mm-hmm. and a referee, making nothing. And that's down Kansas City Kansas area? Kansas City, right. right. That was in 79, the year mm-hmm. I broke in. Mm-hmm. And then Rocky Johnson, I met him in Kansas City. And he says, hey, man, he goes, my uh, father-in-law runs Hawaii, Peter Mavia. So I got the referee shirts up there. Yeah. Got beat up. And it says Hawaii, Hawaii wrestling. In the yeah. Referee shirt, yeah. That was from, that was in like 81 or something. Mm-hmm. He goes, uh, why don't you come over there and manage? They need a good manager over there. I says, Hawaii. Yeah. Come on. So he brought me over to Hawaii where I starved to death. Mm-hmm. But even though this is my home area, believe it or not, that's where I met Lawler in Hawaii, not mm-hmm. here at home. Okay. And I says, Oh, I want to manage in Memphis so bad. Oh my God. That's my dream. Cause you grew up where in uh, Winnipeg? Winnipeg. So you watched the AWA. AWA. I get what you're saying. This is the local territory yeah. you grew up watching. Right. Yeah. So I wanted to come. And so, I, well, you know, you're not ready. Plus, we got Hart. We got this and that. He goes, but, you know, stay when in Jimmy touch. Hart was there. Yeah. Yeah. So when Hart left to go, I think before he went to WWE, he went to work for Ole in Atlanta. So mm-hmm. there was an opening for a manager here. And I was, and I, and I met Lawler like I said in Hawaii. He said, "Stay in touch. Stay in touch." I said, "It's me. It's Bruno." Please let me give me the chance. He finally said, "Jesus Christ!" He told Randy Hales, "He says we're going to get this guy up here and give him a shot so he can fail and we can get rid of him and he can quit <laughs> bugging us." Lawler right. will tell you that. Shut this guy up. Yeah. And then I, and I, I say this, like I said, I got no ego, but I'm also honest. Mm. I came in here and I got over, mm. and that was it. Now, what did you do to get over? You know what? First thing I can say this without question. And if I'm wrong, I'll accept it. But I had the first catchphrase ever in the business. Not The Rock. 
Mm-hmm. Not Stone Cold, not me. It's like Mama says, it bees that way sometimes. And I got over. <laughs> Man, I got out there. When I said that, I couldn't even get the third word out of it. Everybody in the audience said would it. Say it. And I Didn't was Sid use that later on in the WWE? He did it to just mess oh, with okay, me. Okay, yeah. Mama said it bees that way sometimes. Right. right. That was my expression. No, but you were a heel though, right? Yes. Okay. The people turned me babyface after a while from that. I made a living saying that. Mama says it bees that way sometimes. Mm. And you know what? And I'll sit here. Now, I've never admitted this before, but I consider you a close friend. I stole it from Iceman when I managed him. Iceman King Parsons. Yes. Ah. And he knows. And we laugh about it. <laughs> I made a living saying that. Mm. And that's what got me over. That and knowing how to manage. Okay. Tell, tell us how to manage, because it's a lost art form in this day and age. It really is. Well, yeah. the first thing is, I'm there to get you over if I'm managing you. I'm not there to get myself over, because I get you over, I'm going to get over. You know, I know when to shut up and stay in the corner. Don't be arguing with the lady in the front row when you're doing a high spot. Maybe if you're doing a, you know, a rest hold, a chin lock or something, then I'll argue with the lady in the front row. But when I first got smart to the business, I was working for Bob Geiglin. No, I take it back. Working for Dale Mann at MCW right before I went to Bob Geiglin. I wasn't even completely smart to the business yet. I was still a ring man. Oh, yeah, I know the business. I want to manage. I want to manage. They had me out there managing. And a guy named Joey Cagle was in there. I was managing him. Joe Cagle? Yeah. You remember him? I'll tell you what. My first experience in the business was setting up the rings for Bob Holiday in Winnipeg. And he brought in Joe Cagle. Joe Cagle. From, from Louisiana or Mississippi or whatever. Kentucky. In Kentucky. Yeah. Working in uh, Canadian Indian reservations. I'm a 19-year-old kid setting up the ring. And Joe Cagle was there. Wow. Total. Never heard that name since then, I man. can't believe it. Yeah, that was 1989. So they had me manage it. Wow. Yeah. Just so like 80. <laughs> One, eight, okay, two, I okay. imagine him, and the referee leaned over to me. I'm managing at ringside. I'm a experienced manager. Yeah, yeah, bullshit. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like 18 years old. Yeah. He goes, I don't even remember who the baby face was, but he says, okay, when he hits the ropes on your side, trip him. Bullshit, I ain't doing that. What's this referee got a bet on the match or something? I'm not going to have this guy. <laughs> was this fixed or something? Yeah, and I didn't know. I was so, so the guy hit the ropes on my side, I backed way up. But the guy was green as hell, too. Mm-hmm. He was expecting the trip, so he fell down anyway. <laughs> oh, my God, did I get cussed out in the back. Right then I realized, oh, it's a work. Because uh, yeah. I thought the referee was against the guy. I didn't mm-hmm. like him. Mm-hmm. That's where I learned the business. Mm-hmm. Right there. That was my training. I was never trained, ever. Right. You just got in because you were a fan yeah well i wasn't even a fan i was a fan of eating and i mean i don't mean bobby eating. i mean eating oh eating. <laughs> <laughs> you're a fan of living yes what happened was the, i thought you meant bobby eating no, food oh he's my friend too but i got you i got you but yeah they uh <laughs> there was a wrestling show i've been i've been here pretty much my whole life and i was born in west virginia Okay. That's where I was born. Well, when I was young, like 12, 13, there was a wrestling show up there, Dale Man, MCW. They said, well, you can come in free if you'll help us tear the ring down afterwards. Ah, okay. That's how it all started. Nice. And they paid me. They said, we're going to this town, this town, this town. We'll pay you every night if you'll come with us. Mm-hmm. That's how it all started. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. I'm getting paid to do this. It's kind of fun. Yeah, they're giving yeah. me cigarettes. And they're letting <laughs> me drink. And I'm like 13. <laughs> so anyways, we're going to South Dakota now. You want to go with us? I said, okay. I never mm-hmm. told my mama or nothing. I just went off to South Dakota. Which is a long way from, from Memphis, yeah, from Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my right. God. My mama didn't know where I was. There's no cell phones or nothing. <laughs> so, anyways, like a week later, I said, Mama, I'm in South Dakota. I'm in the wrestling business now. 
<laughs> my daddy goes, you better get your ass back to us. You're going to starve to death. You're going to die. You know, and, well, here, but I'm still white. <laughs> here you die. are. Here you are 35 years later. Yeah, yeah. I'm not dead yet. I'm a multi-thousandaire. <laughs> <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This this is Talk is Jericho. Let me just say this, too, for people that don't know. Jerry Lawler, great guy. Like, oh my God. Just a great, great, super nice guy. Uh, I never worked for him, so I don't know him as a boss, but as a, as a, as a guy, he's, he's a great guy. Did he help you out uh, in the business? Oh, my God. He gave me my life. Mm. Lawler gave me my life. I always said this, and I mean this. People say, oh, you're an ass kisser. No, I ain't. I'm honest. Mm. Lawler put me in the business, and Vince kept me in it. Mm. That's the two people I owe. My God. Lawler taught me everything I know in the business. Uh, I'll tell you this. My, he gave me my break in 84. I was in the business in 79. Lawler gave me my break managing in 84. And for the first nine months I was in the business, I thought my name was Dumb Motherfucker. Because <laughs> every night Lawler would say to me, oh, you dumb motherfucker. I mean, oh, it no matter what I did. But then he'd tell me why. He didn't just cuss me out and walk away. You know, Bruno, Jesus Christ, what's wrong with you? And he would, you know. Mm. And finally, after a while, he wasn't calling me that no more. I said, maybe I'm learning something, you know, because he was teaching me, don't do this, don't do that. Why are you arguing with the lady in the front row when I'm doing my, you know, whatever? Like and, he just said, yeah. Yeah, and he was teaching me little things. He taught me how to throw a punch. He taught me how to how to trip a guy. Everything, he, mm. he gave me my breaks. And he took care of me on TV. Were you working against him quite a bit with yeah. your protege? So who were you managing that you'd put up against Lawler? Uh, Phil Hickerson, Tony Falk, Mike Davis. Uh, so a lot of guys that came through that you'd go with them. Yes, many, many guys. Came. Did you have a lot of heat? A lot of heat. I mean, I'm going to tell you, back then when people thought it was right. real. Especially down here in yes. Memphis and Tennessee. Yeah. Brother, in these little towns, Ripley, Tennessee, uh, Kossuth, Mississippi, sometimes we'd have to stay in the building till 1 a.m. The show was over at 10. They were waiting around to get us. Mm. I mean, my car was completely... Uh, spit tobacco all over the windshield everything tires flattened so they would know which one was yours and just mess it up yes it was bad Mm. and the heat was real back then people believed it we believed it Mm. we worked ourselves into a shoot back then you know when i worked in smoky mountain 94 i'll never forget Cornette told me before i came in this is the last area in the country where people will boo you because you walk out of the heel dressing room door and they'll cheer you because you walk out of the baby face door don't know anything about you don't care if you come out the bad guy door boo and that's all it took. Right. And you could just build on it from there. That was, the business was so easy then. Mm. My God, they made it complicated. It used to be an easy business. Did you ever have any riots or anything like that? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. The night that they shaved Lawler's head at the Coliseum, there was bomb threats. And there was, I mean, people wouldn't leave. It was mm. unbelievable. That was Tommy Rich, Paul Heyman, Austin Idol. My God. God. And you were the manager as well? Well, no. Okay, I, I, but you I managed semi-main event. Gotcha. I managed Pat Tanaka against Jeff Jarrett. Okay. Jeff beat him in that match. You know, so, you know, Babyface goes over, but when Lawler got f***ed, 
I mean, there was a guy you could look at on YouTube. A guy trying to climb over the cage, it right, cage to get right. inside. Yeah, and that's a true story, man. People was ready to kill over that. The heat was real. So, so when so when Sid goes to finally goes to WWE. And calls you to come, and Lawler fires you to get up there. Right. Uh, what was it? Did they just bring you in, no questions asked, or did you have to have a meeting with anybody? Or? Well, I met with Vince mm-hmm. and and uh, Pat, mm-hmm. who was one of my best friends. I love, love Pat. Pat. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Vince says, "Well, we're going to send you out there, sight unseen, in Worcester, Massachusetts, do an interview with Jane Oakland." I mean, and nobody ever, except the ones that were like really into wrestling, knew who I was. Mm. They said, "Just get out there with Jane Oakland." He goes, "Bruno." Show me something I ain't never seen before. He goes, that's all I want you to do. Go out there and show me something. Mm. So we get out there, and Gene Oakland and me going back and forth. And I just met Gene 20 minutes before that. Nice guy, you know, whatever. And we're going back and forth, and we're just playing off each other. So what he did would have been a big heel here in Mississippi, but up there is Bayfield. Well, up here in Massachusetts, we don't care for you people from Mississippi that come up here and disrespect us, blah, blah, blah. So I'm thinking, okay, Vince said something you never seen before. I just reached back. I slapped the shit out of Gene. And wow. he looked at me. I looked at him. I mean, I didn't hurt him. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's a concept. Yeah. And he looked at me. I looked at him. And I said, oh, you know, nothing from nothing leaves nothing. You know, Michael Jordan says you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. So then we went back to the interview, whatever. I went in the back. Everybody's looking at me, Gorilla Monsoon. Randy Savage, who I knew from Memphis, was looking at me. Everybody's looking. And Vince says, let me talk to you. He goes, good interview. I didn't like the slap. I said, oh, shit. <laughs> he goes, you didn't hit him hard enough. Wow. Yeah. And I says, <laughs> okay. He goes, now when Gene Oakland comes back in the back, he goes, I'm going to yell at you for hitting him. He goes, we're going to do the same thing tomorrow night in Portland, Maine. And you're going to hit him again. But don't you tell him. Okay. So he came back and don't you ever slap my announcer without me telling you, blah, blah, blah. Next night, Portland, Maine. Hope Vince don't fire me for this. I smartened up Gene because I just. <laughs> <laughs> so we did it. And, and Gene was like, okay. Yeah. He was nice. cool with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't think nothing else of it. I got home and by God, there was a FedEx from the office with a contract. There it is. I've been here ever since, you know. Did you uh did they tell you what your name was gonna be or what was the process for that? The gimmick interview, they called me Henry Herman. Because that was right when Pee Wee Herman was hot or whatever. <laughs> right. So and then <laughs> the next night in Portland, Maine, Gorilla Monsoon announced me as Harvey Herman. Mm-hmm. And then Vincent, no no. It's like we're begging the people to call him Pee Wee Herman. Let's mm-hmm. call him Harvey Whipple. After that, Mr. Whipple, the toilet paper guy. So we get out there, and Howard Finkel was the introducing us out there. And Howard said, Harvey Whipple, man. He just threw the man. I don't know why. It's stuck ever since. How did you become a doctor? Because Sid said he wanted me to check his opponents ah. after, you know, are they still alive with the dial 911? After the, after the opponents were beaten, right. he would come and... Check their heartbeat or something, right? Right. right. Yeah, <laughs> knock it over like a fart in a space suit. But still. <laughs> so now you're in the big leagues, man. Like you said, you never wanted to leave Memphis, right. and you do. And what was it like for you to go from from the Memphis territory to to the big leagues of WWF? Truthfully, it wasn't that big of a transition for mm. several reasons. The traveling was the only different, right? But I mean, eighty percent of the guys I knew because I've been in the business ten years already. The guys that didn't come through Memphis, I knew from Louisiana, I knew from Alabama, I knew from Kansas City. So, you know, it's like, oh, Bruno, I remember me. Mm-hmm. And I was always good to everybody. I was never a dick to anyone. So I know when it's, oh, that's that guy that was a 
dick into me. Mm-hmm. I was I just, and I didn't do. Everybody talks about in the business politics. I don't go for that crap. I'm a nice person. I'm nice to everyone. You know, I'm just I'm nice to you, not because I want. I wasn't nice to you the day I met you because maybe one day you can help me. Yeah, yeah sure. No, I was nice to you. That's how people like. are. That's how you. That's how how you were born and raised. Right. To treat people nice. Yeah. yeah and I remember the day I met you in Milwaukee. I was told you I had respect for you oh. before I met you. Remember I told you that. I, I, it's funny. I remember the Milwaukee show. I think that was my second day mm-hmm. day in. I remember that. Yeah. Let, let's talk about about you managing Sid because at the time Sid was was if not the top heel, one of the top two or three guys in the company. Right. What kind of heat did you guys have? Did it get over? Well, Sid was at that time. Sid was hard to do business with, hmm. you know. And I was just long for the ride, you know. He was hard to do business with, and then finally, when he quit, just walked out. You know, he goes, "We're going home. We're going back to Memphis. You call Lawler. You're going back." I said, "Oh my God! I'm just why?" Mm-hmm. It was weird. I got home, and like I said, you know, back then, there was no cell phones back then. Where somebody house phone answer machine if you, if you remember years ago they weren't built into our phones like now it was like a machine, machine. That you, yeah a little tape in it yeah. cassette tape and you could hear the you know person like you know if hey bro this is johnny let's go drinking you could hear him say, i'm not gonna pick it up or whatever yeah, yeah. so I, just, I had literally put the key in the door it wasn't this house my other house my trailer house i put the key in the door i was walking in beep uh bruno this is vince uh give me a call here's my home number and i'm Wow. Yeah. So I came in. I, you know, I called him up and collect. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he says, uh, what happened? And I told him, I said, Sid got mad and he left. And he told me I had to come with him. I said, I was scared not to, you know, because he was back then he was like yeah. violent, you know. So I came home and Vince says, well, do you work for Sid Udy or do you work for uh, me? I said, I work for you. He goes, you want to continue to work for me? I said, absolutely. He says, be in Niagara Falls tomorrow. Goes, we'll send you a plane ticket. John D'Amico will pick you up. Who am I going to manage? We'll figure something out. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I went back, and he put me with put me with Papa Shango at first, but didn't just jail. Charles is a great guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just the managing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a different be- gimmick for, for, for Wimpleman to be with. The- right. Yeah, yeah. So they put me with Kamala. Mm-hmm. That's what me and him and Lombardi got together, you know. And then, mm-hmm. Oh, Kim G. Yeah. yeah. So that's how that, that's what happened. You know what's there. interesting about that, and we know this too, I mean, obviously working as long as you have for Vince and, my, and me as well, the fact that Vince called you at home and uh, negotiated to bring you back, that shows that he had some, some faith and some belief that you could draw money for him. Right. Because if he didn't care, there's no way Vince McMahon is calling you. Right. You know what I mean? Maybe JJ or maybe, you know, whoever is, it, I don't know, Pritchard, whoever's in charge right. at the time doing that job. Right. That's a pretty big deal to have right. Vince call you. That meant a lot to me, yeah. you know? And, you know, like you're at TV every week. You see every week there's some people lined up to speak to Vince or Triple H or Stephanie. Or I've been there for 20-whatever, almost 30 years. I think I've had four times where I knocked on the door to talk to any one of them because I don't. Mm-hmm. Just show up, do my job, and, and go home. So, um, so you, when you worked with Kamala, um, who was Kamala working with? Warrior every okay. night. So how, that must have been a decent program. It was Warrior good. was over. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had no complaints about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Kamala's. He started that. Vince was a racist to you. Vince mm-hmm. was a racist. I, I can't go for that. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And then he went on some podcast. Uh, God damn these podcasts! No, <laughs> he went on this podcast. I wasn't making no money. They wouldn't pay me. Mm-hmm. And 
Lombardi and Bruno slept in the, in the hide, made me sleep in the car. I mean, just made I mean, up. Come on, it. man, right? Yeah. See, it's, it's interesting to me. And once again, you and I have something that a lot of guys don't have is the longevity of working here. A lot of guys, when they leave, get mad and will start saying stuff like that, right. you know, and getting angry. And it's like, this is a business. And sometimes you, if you play pro football, sometimes you play half a season. Sometimes you're Peyton Manning and you play. 15 seasons or the right, hell he played. Right, It's right. just the way it goes. Not everybody's going to have – you know what I mean? And I, I always – it's interesting to me when you see like, okay, there's a class action lawsuit about concussions and there's a class oh action lawsuit God. for this and a class action lawsuit for that. I, I just find it to be kind of like almost sad because not everybody is made to be in the job for 10 years or 15 right. years or whatever it is, you know? Well, if I was still trying to manage, mm-hmm. I'd be done. Right. Because I got no voice. Yeah. Time we get through talking, I won't even be able to <laughs> speak. You know, I just – I got no voice. And I can't take bumps anymore. I'm just mm. beat down. But that's why I'm jabroni now, running errands, which I'm not complaining. I love it, you know. But these guys, are, I'm a wrestler. I'm a wrestler. I'm a wrestler. Okay, you're done. We're mm. giving you your numbers. Right. Yeah. You know, it's Vince's fault. Yeah. Vince is a racist. Vince is this. That's bullshit. Who, who do you admire as a manager from being kind of one of the last managers in the business? You know, Cornette was a tremendous I talker. Agree. Tremendous yeah. talker. I like Cornette. Uh, Are you a Bobby Heenan guy? Oh, I like Heenan. Jimmy Hart guy? Me and Jimmy Hart's Memphis guys, so we have to, (laughs) you know, we have to jail. But, yeah, no, Hart's good. Mm. I mean, Hart was... Let me put it this way. Who who understood the concept of managing the way that you just explained it? I think Hart. I think Cornette for sure. Mm -hmm. Myself, Heyman. Mm -hmm. Heyman's a different kind of manager, though. Like when he was here in Memphis, you know, he came in for a while. He was the more serious manager. I got heat, but I was the ha ha manager. Like, I was the one to put my hand on the apron and let Bill Dundee stamp mm. stamp on it. I'd jump around and, and tell the referee, look, he stepped on my hand. And Bill would step on my other hand. You know, right, right, right. That, like that wasn't hanging Like, like lo- loser wears a, a chicken costume or something. Yeah. That'd be you, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was always my thing, which right. I was happy to do it. Mm-hmm. But no, Heyman's good, but a different type, you know? Do you, do you think it's a. It's, it's, uh, um... Uh, I'm not going to say a bad idea, but do you think it's, it's kind of not sad? Do you think that they were missing out on not having managers in this day and age? I think kind of because it's too much with the girls. I mean, everybody likes to look at a good looking chick, you know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think it wouldn't be bad to have a good man. Heyman's good now yeah. with Brock. Get another guy out there that manage. But the problem is there's no territories no more for them to learn right. how to manage. Right. You know, I got my training on the job mm-hmm. in every territory in the country. Right, right. You know, well, I mean, I, I didn't work every, but sure, you know sure. But mean. that's how you learn. That's how you get your, your your stripes to get to the big leagues. Right, you've already been in the business for ten years. Mm-hmm. That's why I was in the business for nine years before I got here. But right. Let's talk about. You mentioned everyone likes looking at girls. Uh, you actually, uh, and I don't want to look at you, but you actually were the, the uh, women's champion. Right. <laughs> Boy, that was a screwed up deal. What was the deal with? Tell us the story with that. Because I had the idea, the same thing we did in Memphis years ago. I, you know, I Lawler's. Third wife, Stacy Carter, the cat, mm-hmm. Miss Kitty, whatever. Right. She wrestled here in Memphis. And I did a thing where I wrestled her a lot here in Memphis. We had decent matches. I worked I wrestled Jacqueline many times here mm-hmm. in Memphis. And she'll whip your ass. Oh yeah, she's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we had good matches. So I I mentioned to one of the writers or whatever, I said, Hey, why don't we do a thing where I wrestle one of the girls? Kind of like the Andy Kaufman thing. Were you a TV character at the time? Yeah, I was still kind of a washed-up Harvey Whippleman. I was okay, like, you're still on. Yeah, managing like Quang, you know, somebody that meant okay. nothing or whatever, you know. <laughs> and 
I said that, that's before I was behind the scenes like I am now. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to do anything I could. And refereeing, you were refereeing for right. a bit. Yeah. Yeah, little things. So I said, okay, yeah. And they came with this idea. I'm going to put on a women's wig and an outfit, wrestle in a swimming pool full of snow. And I said, oh, my God, I can't do this. I was going to have a little bullshit match I'm so used to having it with my eyes closed. We went out there and literally had the worst match in the history of WWE. Now, now it was Stacy uh, the Cat yeah. versus... Harvina. And it sucked. It was horrible. <laughs> horrible. But really, what they did it for, they wanted to put the belt on Jacqueline. Mm-hmm. They knew damn well that Jacqueline got in the ring with Stacy, she'd probably break her in three pieces. Mm-hmm. They knew I'd work with her. And now I was a transistor one-day champion so Jacqueline could beat me in Detroit the next day and have the belt. That's what it is. Have the title. I'm right, sorry. sorry, sorry. Not, we don't have belts here, <laughs> no, pal. No belts. Title, no belts, yeah. just titles. Okay, so yeah, you add that to your uh, to your list of, uh, of accolades. Yeah, that's my big accolade, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, too. Was, you mentioned before about Rocky Johnson and about uh, Peter Maivia, and I noticed you, you got a picture on the wall here of The Rock, nice inscription. He actually did the foreword to your book. Right. Uh, what was your relate? Did you know Rock when he was a kid? Oh, yeah. We... <laughs> Yeah, from those days in Hawaii or Hawaii, and then when he when Rocky came to Memphis, Memphis too, right? When he first came to Memphis to wrestle for USWA, you know the Memphis territory, he had no money, nothing, not even anything, and he stayed with me. Really? Yes. In your house? Yeah. How did because of because of your relationship with Rocky Johnson? Yeah. Okay. And I knew Dewey. Mm-hmm. That's what I yeah, call him. That's what his dad calls him. Yeah. Dewey. Yeah. I knew Dewey for he was thirteen, fourteen. We used to run together. We were you know. Good friends back then. So, oh, I'm going to start wrestling. I'm coming to Memphis. Stay with me till you get a few checks under your belt, whatever. Stay with me. I bought him his first car. He'll tell you that. It's on Jimmy Kimmel. It's on George Really? Lump. Yeah. It was a cheap old beat-up car from a crack guy, but still. <laughs> kind of a car was it? I think it was a Thunderbird, but it was <laughs> a beat-up one. Wow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There's something I want to ask you about because uh, you were actually in the car when, and a lot of people don't know this, Joy Morella. Uh, never met him, but apparently a great guy from everyone. Mike Kyoto told me and Jimmy Corderas and yourself right. uh, actually fell asleep at the wheel and then got in a wreck. And I had no yeah. idea that you were in the car with him. Yeah, and that freaks guy. me out because driving down the roads so many times, I start nodding off. Right. And I got to pull over on the side of the road. It's something that happens for us driving so much. Right. I mean, what a, what an experience for you to, to Oh, my through. God. We were coming back from Ocean City, Maryland, going back to Newark on July 4th, 1994. And... Uh, I was driving. Now, to this day, to this day, nobody can drive. I have to drive, period. Mm-hmm. I got to be in control. Mm-hmm. And I'm the same. I do not like someone else driving yeah. anywhere. So Joey goes, man, let me, I'll drive. Brother, I know you're tired. I said, all right, Joey, you okay? Don't worry, dude. I'll wake you up if I get sleepy. Okay. He woke me up all right. I heard, bam, bam. I thought, what the hell? And I heard all this shattering glass but at the time i thought it was rain because it was like you know you sleep did you fall asleep i fell asleep laid my seat all the way back thank god or i'd have been dead Mm. and i realized what was happening then 
ba-boom, ba-boom, the car was rolling. I said, oh, my God. I just remember saying this. I just held on from dear love. I said, Jesus, take me to heaven. That's why I remember saying that because I'm a very big Catholic, mm-hmm. you know. And all of a sudden, the car stopped. And it was revving like a son of a bitch, like NASCAR. And I, I, can't, I wouldn't know you from Big Show without my glasses. I'm blind, you know. Well, God took my glasses off of me at, during the wreck. I really believe it. God did it because I couldn't see nothing. Uh, and I reached over and I was just feeling around and I found the ignition and I turned the, the car key, off. Yeah. yeah. And I pulled the key out, which you shouldn't do that. You can't do it when the car's in drive. Hmm. But I did. I mean, I'm not saying because I'm superhuman. Maybe something went down. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Had you guys rolled? Many times. Wow. Many rolls. Mm-hmm. And it was just silent then. Nothing. I thought, oh my God, I'm alive. I said, Joe, you're dead, ain't you? He didn't answer me. I said, Joe, you're dead, ain't you? I mean, he didn't answer myself. I know he's dead. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Right before I pulled the key out, when the car was revving, I turned it off. Before I got the key out, the radio was still playing. To this day, I'll never forget it. Patrice Russian, Forget Me Nots. Send me Forget Me Nots. You know that song? Mm-hmm. That was played on the radio. How I remember that, I don't know, but it's... So, You'll never forget it. Yeah. So what am I going to do? Holy shit, I'm reaching around, can't find my glasses. I can hear the highway and see the highway, you know, the lights and stuff. I crawled up over the embankment. I'm waving my arms. Nobody would stop. Well, the car's so far down over the ditch, can't nobody see it. So they probably thought I just, you know, some, you know, bomb or something. Like nobody would stop. I crawled back down. I'm reaching around, I find, and the bumper was like hanging off the car evidently and remember I can't see but I pulled the bumper off I went back up I'm waving the bumper over my head I could go out and pull the bumper off my car right now if you give me a thousand dollars but I did it and again it might have been almost off anyway I don't know nah but there's something to it there's superhuman strength that you always hear about when there's an accident you know so finally this truck driver stopped he goes what's going on I'll never forget his name Tobias Schrock never forget it Schrock Schrock I, I, he says, what's going on? What's going on? I says, I think my friend's dead. I'm, I don't know. All of a sudden, it lit up like Times Square. It was cops and ambulances and everything. So they put me in the ambulance. I said, please find my glasses. Please, I can't see. I mean, literally, I'm helpless. I'm, I couldn't walk to my front door. I'm blind. So we're, we're, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. They put me in the ambulance and take me to the hospital. Still, they won't tell me if Joey's dead, but... They get me in the hospital. I'm laying there. I'm laying there. I got IVs in my arm and all this whatever. And and uh, this guy came in to talk to me. Oh, sir, you know, everything's going to be all right. And uh, blah, blah, blah. I thought he was a doctor. I said, okay, well, what's the prognosis? Well, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Whatever. I said, yeah, but are you my doctor? He says, no, uh, I'm just here to, you know, take you into the next world. He says, there's a priest giving me my last rites. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so to this day, I'll show you. Uh, Were you that messed up? I, here, it's a funny story. You can see the scars where I pulled the... the uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right out of your wrist. Yeah, out of my wrist. I, what happened was, I wasn't hurt hardly at all, except I broke my nose. I get, My nose hit something. So when I was yelling, help, 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 the blood was going down into my lungs because I was screaming, help, help, help. Well, the initial x-ray thought I had two punctured lungs. Oh, wow. They thought I was going to die because the blood was building up yeah. in my lungs. But it wasn't the case. But they thought I was dying before they brought the main doctor in to, you know, 
Right, 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 right. So I said, I'm not going to die in New Jersey. Send me to Mississippi. <laughs> I've got the place report in my safe deposit box across the highway. It's in there. It says it. I ain't dying in New Jersey. Send me to Mississippi. Send me to Mississippi. I kept screaming. <laughs> Anywhere but New Jersey. Yeah. I, said, I just want to die here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to be cremated and thrown in a lake in Lakeview where I grew up. <laughs> right, right, right. So... Long story short, they did they find I had zero punctured lungs. That was from me screaming and yelling and a broken nose. And and, uh, and then finally this doctor came in, and he still wouldn't tell me Joey's dead. And then I I said, oh, and then this cop came in and found the Halliburton, which back then we had every Halliburton. Got to have the Halliburton. Yeah. Well, thank God, because that saved my spare pair of glasses, which is in the mm. case. They gave me my glasses, and I could see. It was like a brand new thing. I said, can I use a phone? And again, no cell phones back then. I called Lombardi. He was off that week for some reason. He was doing house shows. I don't remember what it was. I called him up. I says, it was like 4.30 in the morning. And I remember his wife, Sandy, that you met. Mm-hmm. She says, uh-oh, this can't be good news. You know, and I says, I says, I'm in a hospital in New Jersey, and I think Joey's dead. And he goes, let me talk to the doctor. And the doctor told Lombardi that Joey was dead. And they didn't want to tell you. Yeah. And Where were you supposed to be going to? Home. It was the last day. You were supposed to get to Newark. And then fly home. Because you missed your flight. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. What uh, did, did you ever speak to, to Gorilla Monsoon about it? Yeah. He yeah. called me up. You know, that was a big relief. He mm-hmm. said, I don't blame you in any way. He goes, nor should he, but you never know how right. people are going to react. Yeah, yeah right. He yeah. goes, it wasn't your fault. He mm-hmm. goes, I'm just glad you're alive and this, that, and the other. So I took a week off TV. I came back the following week. It's Harvey Whippleman, and Gorilla was like, okay, Harvey Whippleman, we, you're managing so-and-so. And I looked at him, he looked at me. This is right after the death. And I said, you know, you big, fat son of a bitch. Or, you know, I caused me, you, know, you big, fat well, you little weasel. Okay, cool. In other words, we broke the ice. We're back to... Right back to work again. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. But it was rough, you know. Yeah. I went through a lot of... It's, hard, it's hard when, when your, your friends go, especially yeah. in that situation. Yeah. I'm sure it still bugs you to this day, even just driving, you know, maybe falling asleep a bit, yeah. nodding off, you know. Then I've got certain people that'll say, oh, you have to go all the way to the next town. Oh, no, I'm not going to do it. Well, if you don't, we ain't paying for the room. I said, okay, don't pay for the room. I'll pay for my own room. Mm-hmm. F you, you know. Yeah, yeah certain yeah, people yeah, just yeah, yeah. never been in the business like us. And they don't right, understand. Right, have to drive those miles, yes. man. Yeah, talking uh, about some good stuff again. Tell, I mean, it's funny because I'm looking around your house here. You got pictures all up on the wall. Looks like you've met like tons of uh, celebrities and people that have come by the show. Who some of the some of your favorites that you've seen over the years? Well, Burt Reynolds was a super guy, nice. nicest guy I ever met. Yeah, nicest guy. Ever. Was he on Raw or something? Or no, he. Uh, WrestleMania 10, mm. he was a, just something. Right, ring, ring bell ringer bell or whatever. Ringer, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the nicest guy. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I was so impressed by what a nice guy he was. You know, just, uh, I flew from L.A. to Memphis with Angie Dickinson. Nice. Remember her? Yes. And, uh, She's pretty hot for the back in the day. Back in the day, police woman yeah, and all yeah. that. Well, she was coming to do a movie in Marshall County, which is the next county east of here. Uh and she's never been to Mississippi before. She was like 70 years old or whatever. And she just talked to me about Mississippi the whole way from L.A. to here. <laughs> tell me about this. Tell me about that. I mean, she thought she was going to get off the plane and go there. It was going to be like Klansmen in the street and, you know, cotton people picking cotton and getting whooped. And I said, no. <laughs> she didn't know. She, was, <laughs> yeah, she, yeah, she yeah. was a super nice person. That's great. 
I'm trying to think of so many I met. <laughs> just get whooped. Yeah, she didn't know. She was like, she didn't know. <laughs> Do you? Uh, who are some of your favorite performers that have been in the WWE over the years? Well, to me, without a doubt, Lawler's the best. Hmm. Lawler really is. I mean, he's just got the psychology and the moves and everything he does looks good. Mm-hmm. Shawn Michaels, of course, is without saying tremendous. Yeah. And I'm not saying this because you're sitting in front of me. I mean it. I love watching you. You're, oh, one thanks, of my, you're one of my favorites to watch. Thank you. I enjoy your matches. Psychology, mechanics, which that's what working is. Mm-hmm. Combination of both. Sure. You can have one but not the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, you know, to me... This is years ago, but I think uh, Don Morocco was unbelievable. He's like one of my forgotten guy. I think you know, yeah, and he's tremendous. Hmm. I think Don Morocco is just unbelievable. You know, when when you were working with Sid, managing Sid, did you guys work with Taker? Yeah. Did you guys have a WrestleMania match, Taker and Sid, or was that? That was later. I was managing Sid more then. Yeah. Okay, because I I put Taker up there for, for for. Just an amazing performer oh, for his size, you know, one one of the greatest. I just didn't know because I remember Sid and Taker had a feud. I didn't know if you were involved or not. Yeah, kind of, but not majorly. You know, mm. uh, I managed Taker one time yeah, really? here in Memphis. Here in Memphis, <laughs> really? Yeah, it's on YouTube. I managed him as Master of Pain or Mean Mark, I think, <laughs> against Bill Dundee. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's on YouTube. Uh, yeah, I imagine one when, night. When you see a guy like that, and it's probably back in 1986 or something, something along yeah. those lines, are you saying, like, this guy will be something someday? Or is it like, uh, you know, did you see so many guys? You know, oh, when, undoubtedly. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about him. I could see it in him, not just because of his work. Because when he first came to Memphis, he was very green. He was hesitant on the microphone, and he didn't have no tattoos. You know, just he was just new. Short red hair. Short red hair. Yeah. But you could tell something about him. It's, to me, one of the most important things about getting over in the bit is he's very intelligent. And to me, that's more than a lot. Mm-hmm. I said mechanics and psychology, true, but intelligence. And he's very smart. you got to be smart. Mm-hmm. Now, Undertaker, you could tell he's going to be somebody. Mm-hmm. You could tell, you know. You can see that, yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're coming around in the back, because this is one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you today, is like we talked about this earlier, is that all the experiences that you've had of being in the business for 35, 36 years – I find sometimes that, that I don't know if people don't remember or, or maybe don't understand what you've done. Do, do guys treat you with respect for the most part backstage? Or do you find sometimes like this little f***er doesn't even have a clue? No. Okay, good. There's only one person that don't respect me. I'm not going to mention his okay, name. Yeah, He's yeah. a piece of crap. All right. You know, uh, uh, they say uh, time heals all wounds. Well, time wounds all heals. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> but for the most part, when new guys are coming in and then you're backstage and everybody's being cool with you. Oh, yeah. I get yeah. along with everyone. Yeah. And it's funny. If somebody doesn't realize that I did a lot in the business, somebody will smarten them up. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, hey, this guy yeah. knows so, what's up, right? Yeah. I've never had a, yeah, mm-hmm. a problem like that. Mm-hmm. Never. Final question. Uh, two-part question. First sure. of all, what's your favorite match that you were ever involved in uh, as a performer? And what's your favorite match that you ever saw as a as a fan or watching from the outside? It's easy. The favorite match I was ever involved in as a performer was Don Bass. And you remember Don Bass? I don't know the name. I know the name, yeah. but I'm from North. This, right, yeah, right. Southern guy, right? Right. He died the day before yesterday, believe it or not. Really? Outlaw Don Bass, yes. Is that any relation to Outlaw Ron Bass? Well, not real, but they were the tag team. Okay, so it was Don and Ron. Yeah. Wow. He died the day before yesterday. No kidding. Okay. But, yeah, but years ago... It was, uh, I think it was 87, I could be 86. We built up this big deal. 
Lawler and Don Bassett. Me was Donnie's uh, manager. He was the singing cowboy. We carried the guitar mm-hmm. way before Double J, way before. Right, right, right. Which really, which is no insult because nothing's new. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeff probably got that from the right. Don Bassett. It got over big time. We'd hit people with the guitar, you know. Either Don would do it or I would do it. We built up to the match with Lawler in the steel cage at the Mid-South Coliseum. And the, the deal was, if Lawler won, Don Bass got his head shaved and downtown Bruno was barred for one year from Memphis and from USWA. Because I had my starting date in Kansas City. You know, it was already, you know. Of course, back then, everything was kayfabe. Nobody knew it, you know. So the deal was, you know, boom, 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 time to go home. The referee got knocked down. Now, the steel cage wasn't no DQ. It was just so the guy couldn't, you know. Couldn't run away. Run away. So I climbed up halfway over the cage and threw the guitar over the cage. About that time, Lawler came to grabbed the guitar, smashed Don Bass with it, knocked him out, got rid of the guitar, woke up the referee, one, two, three. Bruno gone, Don Bass bald. <laughs> the people went nuts. They're happy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was huge to me. See, was, was Jerry booking at that point, or, or Jerry Lawler booking? Yeah, Lawler, it yeah. Because th- th- it's, it's such simple stuff, but it works so good. Right. There's no crossbody off the cage, and there's no slam the door. It's just... Throw the guitar. Right. I'll catch it instead of this guy. I right. hit him with it. I win. Right. And you look like an idiot. Yeah. You know? And the people got, oh, they went nuts. And when I was walking back, nah, 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 that song. <laughs> and they didn't know I got Were, were you working there when, uh, when when Andy Coffin was doing his No, thing? it was a little bit before me. Okay. That was before I, Okay, me. I got you, yeah. got you, got you a little bit beforehand. Yeah. Because all that stuff, like talking with Jerry, actually last time I was in Memphis, I went to his house, and just hearing his take on all of that, it's very simple. But it works. Like you said, right. like, they, they, we've made it complicated. Right. It's not. Right. It's really not. I know. Why'd they make it so complicated? I know, right? I never figured out how a five foot two Jewish guy from Manhattan knows about violence and fighting and what we. And I'm not. I'm just using that as a general statement. These writers. You? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I ain't five foot two. I ain't from Manhattan. I ain't Jewish. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> No, but I mean, you know, I, I, I get the concept of writers to to help with certain things, but I always liked the bookers who were in the biz. In the right. Business. You know, you used to hear about Pat and Vince booking by Vince's pool for hours on end. Right. It's not like that anymore. Is it better or worse? You can go either way with it, but I, I, I like the concept of guys who had been in the biz writing for the biz. Yeah. Because you I, understood what worked, you know? That's why Eddie Gilbert was so good. Was he? Oh, he was good. Robert Fuller was great. Tell us a little about Robert Fuller. We don't know a lot about him. Oh, Robert was so smart to the business. A lot of people knock him because he was an alcoholic, but so am I. You know? <laughs> Aren't we all? Yeah. Hardly something to be knocked about. Right. No, he was so smart to the business. He could talk. My God, he could talk a house. And this is, this is Continental? Or Continental. Is this not? Okay, right, right, right. And Memphis, too, but mm-hmm. Continental, he was the... Booker and the half owner of the company, mm. him and his brother Ronald, and between Robert and Bob Armstrong, who's a great man for Bob the business, Armstrong, man. great guy. This is Road Dog's father, yeah, Armstrong's father. So smart, such a good dude. Yeah, great guy. Yeah, I learned a lot about promos from Bob Armstrong about how to do a promo. For oh Bob yeah, I bet you did. Yeah, I sure did, man. I sure did. I'll never forget it. Yeah, yeah, he had that. So him and Robert and Jimmy Golden and Dutch. Look at that learning tree I was sitting mm-hmm. under when I was four or five years in the business. Mm-hmm. And Robert would explain to me, now, Bruno, just 
Go out there and paint a picture with your interview. Don't just get out there and get yourself over. Say mama says it beach that way sometimes, but say it after you, you know, paint the picture about what we're going to do Monday night or Tuesday night or Friday night or wherever the, you know, and he explained to me how to build it up. You know, he, oh my God, he was smart. He could talk. Bob Armstrong too. And the thing is, Bob Armstrong would never cuss me out or nothing when I was green. If you I didn't call you a DMF? No. <laughs> which I appreciate Wallace well, for doing it. He said he'd do that of meanness. Right. But some guys will cuss you out and just walk away. Bob Armstrong would say, Bruno, when you did so and so, here's why you shouldn't have did it. And I'll explain to you why. And and I wouldn't make sense because he's been in the business twenty years before I got in, mm-hmm. you know. One thing I hate to this day, like Bill Dundee runs a little town, South Haven, Mississippi, about 10 miles from here. If, I, if I'm free on a Friday night, I'll go over there and hang out and talk to the guys. Sometimes I'll even referee a match. And Dundee always says, hey, if you see something wrong, tell the guys, talk to them. And I, I got, you know, Dundee got a lot of the guys together and said, look, if Bruno tells you something, you know, do, you know, listen to him. And if you're not sure what he means, ask him questions, you know. And I told Bill, I can't deal with yeah, but guys. I hate that more than anything. I'll tell a guy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but. No, not yeah, but. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Other night, these two guys had a great match. Good little heel, good little baby face. Good match. But the baby face threw the first punch in the match. And I explained to him, why did you throw the punch in the baby face? I said, you have to understand. The reason you threw the punch is the guy kept screwing you over, grabbing your tights, grabbing your hair, poking your eyes. Finally, you had enough of it. You punched him, and the people would pop. You Guess what you just did? You turned yourself heel. Mm-hmm. Don't throw the first punch as a baby face unless you're Steve Austin or whatever, you <laughs> yeah. know. And the guy, it, it's, it's such basic psychology, but a lot of guys don't know it. Yeah, they don't get it. Right. Like the other, I've seen the guys in the little town I was just talking about beat the hell out of a guy, kick his leg, you know, stomp on his leg, and pick him up and throw him to the ropes. I said, wait a minute, you just jumped both knees on his leg. He should be in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. <laughs> you just picked him up made him run across the ring. <laughs> That's one of my rules, by the way, in my matches. I never work the leg, and I don't want anyone working my leg. I think it's the dumbest thing because there's no way out. Yeah, and it's boring. It's boring, and you can't get out of it because there's no way – there has to be a comeback. Right. Which means movement and motion. If you've been working the leg, you're just throwing it away. Right. It's it's it, it's a dead end um, painting yourself into a corner. Right. And it, I, so that's my advice. Don't ever work the leg. Yeah, it's you know? boy. Right. Unless you work with Ric Flair and he's going to do the figure <laughs> yeah, four. Right, like, yeah. yeah, leading into it, fine. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But that, besides that. Yeah, exactly. You know? is, is there a, who do you like the, out of the uh, current guys today? That you see some some good stuff out. Oh, I think Dolph Ziggler is tremendous. Wow, interesting. Yeah. I love Dolph. Mm-hmm. I love to watch his. I don't watch too many matches because I've seen umpteen million. <laughs> right. I always watch Dolph's matches. I like his. I like Dean Ambrose. Mm. And again, I'm not saying it because you're sitting. I like watching oh, your yeah, matches. Yeah, cool, yeah. And I know this might sound ridiculous, but it's the truth. I used to like to watch Benoit's matches. Mm-hmm. I really did. It's not ridiculous at all. He was great. Yeah. Very meticulous, very intense. Right. Uh, and, and take away the, his, the last weekend of his life. Right. Up to that, his his work is pretty flawless. It's hard to find yeah. a hole in Benoit's work. Yeah, because, you know? again, you asked me matches, not how about his personal life? No, no, no. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Talk, so, talk yeah. from work quality. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I liked, I liked his match. I enjoyed his match. Is there a match that stands out to you as one of your favorites that you've seen? or a couple of them? Well, the one that he worked with Bobby Lashley in Atlanta. Wow, interesting. I remember that. I loved that match. Yeah. I thought it was a good match. Mm-hmm. 
you know, uh, Undertaker and Triple H, what a match they had at WrestleMania mm, the other yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ph- phenomenal. Couple, phenomenal. Yeah. What do you do at WrestleMania? Do you, you just do the same old job, or do they have you doing other stuff too? Well, it's hard because with those stadiums, you know, as you know, I run in and out of the arenas, but mm. with that traffic and those stadiums, I can't hardly do nothing. So mostly I hide. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever do like the signings or anything like that? Or not too much? Not, yeah, not, yeah. Okay. I'm so washed up. I'm beyond washed up. I just. <laughs> We're going to get you out of obscurity, brother. Oh, We're going to do it. I'm beyond what. I'm happy. You know what? I'm happy. I'm happy sitting right here yeah. in this building. Yeah. I love this place. It's it's mine. It's paid for. Yeah. It's got referee shirts on the wall like the sports bars. <laughs> it's great. I mean. Pictures on the wall. of uh, on the wall. Lawler's over there, and you got uh, Clint Eastwood in a fireman's outfit for some reason, which I'm not no, sure why. Clint Eastwood. That's a... Uh, that's the cast of Chicago Fire. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> the oh, there's a picture of you and Trump up on the wall over there? And Trump. Yeah, yeah. That's my wife. Okay. <laughs> That's my wife and Lawler's girl and Lawler. There, there you go, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so when I walked in here, there's like oh, like there's like an Elvis necktie. There's Elvis pictures on the wall. You're a big Elvis fan? You know what? In this house, Elvis is second only to Jesus Christ. <laughs> Do you have, did you ever uh, meet Elvis or have any good Elvis stories? Or? I never met Elvis, but let me tell you. There's a guy named Ernie Barrasso that used to be a big wheel here in Memphis. He owned a Cadillac dealership up on uh, what's now Elvis Presley Boulevard, okay. Bellevue back then. And uh, he, you know, he was a big executive. Of all. He owned hotels, nightclubs, whatever. So... Elvis came into his Cadillac dealership. Oh, really? Years ago. And he was walking around, just looking around. And a black guy that was sweeping the floor and everything walked up to, to uh, Elvis. Oh, Mr. Presley, nice to meet you. Now, the sales manager walked over to the black guy that was cleaning the floor and said, Hey, get away from Mr. Presley. He don't want to talk to you. And the guy, Oh, yes, sir, yes, sir. You know, that's how it was years ago. Mm-hmm. Here. 60s or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Elvis told that guy, he goes, okay, uh, get me the, oh, is the owner here? He said, yeah, he's in there, Mr. Brasso. We'll get him out of here, please. So uh, Ernie Brasso came out. And uh, Elvis said, uh, sir, I'm here to buy a Cadillac for myself and one for each member of my entourage. I'm going to buy seven Cadillacs right now. Oh, yes, sir, Mr. Presley, yes, sir, we'll do it. He goes, and uh, first of all, I didn't appreciate the way that man right there talked to that man over there pointing at the black guy. He says, I'm going to buy all seven Cadillacs under two conditions. You fire him and all the commission goes to that guy. <laughs> and the press goes, yes, sir, Mr. President. He goes, matter of fact, make it eight Cadillacs. And he gave the black guy a wow. that was sweeping the floors. And this came from Ernie Barrasso, the owner of the place. This ain't no third hand. <laughs> yeah. He told me. I'll tell you something else about Elvis. He was never called the king when he was alive. Mm. Never. Because years ago at the Mid-South Coliseum, these people held up a big sign when he was singing. It said, Elvis the king. Elvis, stop singing. It said, no, Jesus Christ is the king. I'm just a musician. Please take that sign down. Wow. I never forgot. That. <laughs> That's hey, cool, man. Yes. What's your favorite Elvis song? All of them. <laughs> Elvis, like I said, is second in this house. <laughs> to Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus Christ. The real king. Yes. And the secondary king. Yes. And then my wife. Mom, <laughs> sure, dad, sure, whatever, sure, 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 sure. Yeah. That's great, man. I mean, Elvis is the man. Mm-hmm. I mean, in this house, it's. Jesus, Elvis, my wife, Lawler, 
mom and daddy, and then my uncle and the rest of them, or whatever. You know? So, so you got three kings. You got Jesus Christ, the King. Yeah. You got the King Elvis, and then you got King Lawler. Right. On the top five. Right. <laughs> so you're like the prince. Well, let me ask you this: we're, Let's go on one more thing. Do, do you uh, ever keep up with uh, like the Johnny Depp most recent movie, Black Mass? I, I know the. I know what it's about. I haven't seen it. About. Uh, about the uh, Boston, uh, uh, the, the Irish Mafia. Yeah, Boston, yeah, 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 yeah. James Whitey Bulger. Mm-hmm, right, right. Yes, who was a major, major criminal in, in uh, Boston, you know. And when he was number two, America's Most Wanted. And when they got Bin Laden, he became number one. Mm. Huge, huge, you know. Villain. Villain. Yeah. But uh, years ago here in Memphis... There was Bobby Irwood, Billy Ray Williamson, and Arthur Baldwin were three of the main, you know, bad guys, quote-unquote, in Memphis, organized crime in Memphis. Mm-hmm. And that's little Bruno. What are you doing? What are you doing hanging out with them? Well, I used to be a known associate oh. at one time. I was never a criminal. I did favors for them. That's why I learned to be a concierge. You're the concierge for them. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit different. This is not getting big show hot dogs. Right. You're like carrying guns across the state line or something. Well, you know what? It's funny. I don't. I wasn't doing nothing like that. I was delivering. I didn't realize because I was 15. You can see right. I was 15. They had you deliver. And by the way, you looks like you still have a beard at that point. I did. I'm at 15. I was just starting one. But so, so they had you delivering uh, plastic packages. Cups, plastic box of plastic cups to each beer joint in Memphis. You know, looking back now at 51 years old, I realized maybe in the bottom of those boxes of plastic <laughs> cups, there might have been something. <laughs> but they... All associated with James Whitey Bulls. Wow. Yes. All those guys alive now? Or? They're all dead. All dead. Okay, there you go. Yeah, Billy Ray Williamson, Bobby Irwood, Arthur Baldwin. They're all <laughs> dead. But that's, that was the... There you go. Now, where I got those pictures, which is funny, there's a local... You know, every uh, city has the independent newspaper you know, like the mm-hmm. not yeah, the main newspaper yeah the winnipeg free press or the, the memphis you know yeah, journal memphis Flyer, okay yeah. there you go yeah so they had a thing about organized crime in memphis in the 80s and all these pictures were there and i said my <laughs> god look at me that's where i got that were, were you unidentified man yes they didn't know it was downtown Bruno. <laughs> Uh, but they all knew James Whitey <laughs> There you go. Yes. Yeah, and delivered red cups to uh, yeah. to him. <laughs> yeah, so I just thought you'd find that interesting. <laughs> so. Dude, man, you got a lot of history, man. This is uh, it's been great to get a chance to talk to you. I'm, uh, I'm brother. Happy. You're welcome here anytime. Thank you, brother, and thank you for uh, a couple of nice uh, vodka and crayons. There we are. You got we're clinking. It. I, personally, I don't drink. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're, we're just clinking water glasses. Yeah. <laughs> want to be in shape, but I just don't have a lot of time to exercise. Does that sound like you, even though it was my mouth saying it? My mouth? Truly from the Team Tiger Awesome Show's mouth? Well, if it does, I want to tell you about a new weight loss program that's turning my life around. It's called Don't Eat Nachos. Over the course of 28 DVDs, you'll learn all about the process of losing weight by avoiding cheese on chips for one less meal a day. So if you're eating nachos twice a day, boom, we're going to bring your countdown to one and cut those calories in half. Eating on the plan 
could not be easier. Shake for breakfast, shake for lunch, nachos for dinner? No, have some sensible pizza or a fistful of gummy worms instead. It's time to take control of your life and not eat nachos quite so often. To find out more about Don't Eat Nachos and what it can do for you, listen to the Team Tiger Awesome show right here on the Jericho Network. Team Tiger Awesome, the fake ads are very funny. And if you want more of them, then hit that subscribe button on iTunes for the Team Tiger Awesome podcast. They do hilarious fake news. They got great, uh, great topics, great pop culture conversation. One of the funniest podcasts out there. Do yourself a favor, subscribe to Team Tiger Awesome. And while you're there, leave them a rating and review as well. This week they talk about their favorite uh, uh, cartoon gangs. I think the Super Friends are in there and uh, the Animaniacs, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and speaking of Maniacs, thanks to downtown Bruno Harvey Whippleman, a hilarious guest. Lots of great stories, some serious stories as well. It's been a long time coming, but he finally uh, rips it up this week on, on Talk is Jericho. Speaking of ripping up and Team Tiger Awesome, all of the Jericho Network podcasts are ripping it up. Go and get ratings, reviews on iTunes. Subscribe. I can't tell you how much that helps us all out. Also, I want you to leave a, a, re, a review on my uh, podcast on iTunes for Talk is Jericho. I want to get those numbers up. Uh, it's very important to have the most reviews and ratings possible. It helps me. So go online. Go to iTunes. Go to Talk is Jericho and, and uh, hit the the review button, the comment button, and leave your thoughts about the show. I know you're going to say that you love it. And if you don't, I'm coming over to your house and I'm going to cry uh, into your uh, shoulder. Uh, but we love the feedback. Thank you so much. And remember, go to iTunes and get hooked up to Killing the Town with Storm and Cyrus. Uh, the flagship show, Keep It at 100 with Raven, the newest huge smash hit on the Jericho Network, The Raven Effect, hilarious, uh, hilarious, uh, basically a one uh, long run-on sentence for about 45 minutes, uh, courtesy of Raven. His mind is everywhere. It's hilarious to listen to. And, of course, if you want to get the crap scared out of you, Beyond the Darkness will bring you paranormal scares and thrills five days a week on the Jericho Network. Go check that out. And remember, just a reminder, Talk is Jericho participates in the Amazon Associates program Program, an affiliate advertising program designed to provide a means for me to earn fees by linking to Amazon.com and affiliated sites. You can link to Amazon at PodcastOne.com by clicking on the Killer Deals button at the top uh, of the page. Anyways, you find all the rest of my great sponsors there, like ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. Get 30% off all DDP Yoga merch and the DDP Yoga Now app. All you got to do is ddpyoga.com slash Jericho. MeUndies.com slash Jericho. Get 20% off your first pair of the most comfortable underwear you'll ever, ever wear. And then Loot Crate. Go to LootCrate.com slash talk to get $3 off the road to WrestleMania Slam Crate. And don't forget the biggest <laughs> podcast ever when Mick Foley makes his talk as Jericho debut next week we're officially one week away people he will be here next week and i'm excited for you to listen to it and i'm excited for you to keep listening right now for the 60 second ap news headlines coming up next and on friday another guy's a long time coming will wheaton oh that's right you might know him from star trek the next generation or maybe uh, gordy from stand by me but he is an internet online sensation he's a he's a huge huge uh, uh comic book collector uh, he loves board games He's all over the Big Bang Theory. He's going to tell us great stories about all those things, about being on Star Trek, about being on Stand By Me, and, of course, what he's doing now. He's everywhere. Will Wheaton is going to be here. I'm excited to have him, and I am excited to uh, to uh, be here with you guys, the, the, the coolest, sexiest listeners in the podcast world. So stay hard. Stay hungry. Peace, love, and hugs. And remember, yeah, boy. See you on Friday. You can download new episodes of Talk is Jericho every Wednesday and Friday at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com.